Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. She is Katie Flower. I am Chad Parsons from uthdynasty.com. Got a bunch of news and just talking about how preseason next week and the news cycle is upon us. It feels like ever since Cam Akers uh, that things have been uh, a near daily occurrence in terms of something moving. We're going to be talking about the moving pieces with Aaron Rodgers of late, Deshaun Watson, where he sits, and Michael Thomas getting some clarity actually just two, three hours ago on where we stand and maybe some potential uh, pivots within the Saints offense, at least to begin the season. Uh, but Katie, let's start with Aaron Rodgers. He reports to camp. They have pretty stringent fines. No, it's not earth changing at you know fifty thousand. I think Rogers is a little higher than that per day. Uh, but it's meaningful. It's still meaningful money that you're losing out on. And Aaron Rodgers reporting and ancillary move. Uh, they release Blake Bortles, which means uh, a lot of the things I've been hearing is they expect Aaron Rodgers. They've smoothed things out at least a little bit for. 2021 now 2022 we'll see what happens with the two parties but how do you feel about Aaron Rodgers uh, likely back everything's pointing to that direction that they're going to give it a go and make a run and Devontae Adams hey I'm open to open to talks here for an extension so I think we're running this back from from 2020 to 2021 with what we typically saw with the Green Bay offense well first of all I think Green Bay may or may not finally have realized that love is not the answer and uh, I'm glad that Aaron Rodgers is back for the offensive players fantasy-wise. And then we'll just see uh, if they can get a deal done for him and Adams to stay long-term. I think that would be in their best interest, but I'm just happy to have 2021 as a dynasty owner and then move forward after that. Yeah, and for Devontae Adams, I mean, he he had begun to slip, and part of that was, you know, he's not going to be happy. Maybe Rodgers isn't there. Uh, he was slipping from maybe, you know, wide receiver one, two in Dynasty to five, six, seven sometimes in startup drafts over the summer. And Rodgers had started to swoon as well of, is he going to go to Jeopardy? Is he going to retire? Um, how much hardball is he going to play? I always take, I don't know about you, Katie, I take an approach of, the the status quo what's the most likely thing you know it's always very much you know attention grabbing headlines and and just not very often do we get say andrew luck that's why it shook us to our core just he retired you know and we really didn't have a lot of inklings not that that it takes having inklings for that to occur but aaron Rodgers had been slipping i imagine now it's redraft season we're pointing towards week one a little bit so when you get uh drafts or trades things are going to start percolating forward uh with guys like Rodgers because we're closer to the season and you know march or june is a little bit different uh and you have question marks abound with Rodgers per se and, and now we sit 
closing in on August and things are pointing, like you said, uh, life as normal there in Green Bay with that offense. And I even even read Randall Cobb, you know, might be one of those concessions that Rodgers loves him. He might be back. I know. I think we just we drafted him uh, in a in a league together um, that, you know, just because he could be the wide receiver two, three, something like that with Deshaun Watson. We'll get to him in a minute. But with Aaron Rodgers, doesn't it feel like in general you need to bet on, you know, a, a player of like, OK, the only way you technically lose is if he's out of the NFL for good in terms of I have him and I choose not to sell or, you know, I have an opportunity here uh, to, to maybe get him, you know, in the QB 12 to 16 range or something in a startup draft. And you say no to an all time player. Yeah, uh, I think his value is going to bounce back now that he's back. Uh, but there was a time where you could get a very good deal on him. I, for the most part, like the whole players through the suck, through the rumors, through the whatever, uh, and, and wait it out because the only time you lose is if you sell when they're at their low and they do come back. And I had a pretty good feeling that he wasn't going to retire. And if he did, I was, I would rather have him retire and just lose straight any value than to undersell him and have him come back and ball out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of the, the, uh, the Tom Brady theory, right? Where, where a couple of years ago, eh, coming off a little bit of a down year and you know, you're betting on, you're betting against one of the historical best. And that's just, that's kind of where we sit with Rodgers is that, you know, you're betting against the, and that was back when he only had 20 something touchdowns, you know, a couple of years in a row, uh, you know, swooning comparatively to, to what we've seen from his, his prime years. And then he pops right back. I mean, you see this over and over again, and it feels like this off season, but whether it's Rodgers, we will see here transitioning to Deshaun Watson, you know, if that's a similar story, obviously a much younger player, uh, but with Deshaun Watson, he reports as well. And it's not to say that he can't get suspended or he's on an inactive list or anything like that. But let's face it, uh, the, the reality is he has a contract to play with the Houston Texans this year outside of a trade. And that's the path we're on. He reports and yes, something additional with, with his legal uh, proceedings could occur, you know, in terms of the, 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 um, the, the cases against him. However, uh, until that occurs, there's not really anything to talk about yet. And something you mentioned either in a conversation on another show we recorded or um, just uh, between us privately uh, on a conversation, you had almost alluded to the fact that this may not play out on the legal front, settlement front, uh, to the point where the biggest impact for him activity-wise NFL could actually be missing time in 2022 and not 2021. Yeah, um, there are no criminal charges. Right now it's civil. They're trying to settle out of court, but one of the things that Watson wants, if they do settle, typically there would be non-disclosure on both sides, like what was, but he wants to have his side of the story out there, so he doesn't want to sign any disclosure agreements or whatever that it's called. And I don't, I don't think there's going to be any criminal charges coming just from everything I've seen, everything I've read and the NFL, if there's a lack of criminal charges, if it's just civil and it's, he said, she said, and there really is no evidence, what are they going to suspend him for? 
right? What's going to be the new evidence? What's going to be the new information? Because they haven't done it yet. Right. So I'm not worried. I think he'll play this year. I don't think he'll play in Houston. I think right now they're open to the idea of trading him. He's got a no trade in his contract, but he's demanding a trade or wants a trade. I don't think they're going to let him practice because if he gets hurt, then they're on the hook for all the money. And I mean, what do you do? You let Tyrod Taylor take all the snaps, uh, Davis Mills, like it's just a cluster down there and they're rebuilding. They're not going to be good this year anyway. So it'll be, it'll just be interesting to see if he moves, where he moves. Um, I've heard somebody say Philadelphia, uh, that would be a great landing spot in my opinion. Cause I don't think that Jalen hurts is the long-term answer there uh, either. Yeah. And that would be the nexus basically of this entire thing where Aaron Rodgers, a lot of people assume, oh, he's as good as gone. He can force his way out. He could just retire, whatever. And him being back in Green Bay. And yet, you know, two of the more polarizing names uh, this offseason has been the rising Jalen Hurts. You know, he's been getting a lot of juice for his rushing upside and for what he could do fantasy wise, even though there's not a lot of job security, he needs to progress as a passer and and all of those elements. And yet, you know, if Deshaun Watson were to go to Philadelphia, that would just be the perfect storm of landing there, crushing Jalen Hurts and, and Watson again, getting a pretty nice landing spot, getting a couple first round wide receivers, turning around the tide for a a really lagging uh, this off season projection for a lot of people for, for Jalen Reger, who's been written off after a singular year on a, frankly, a going nowhere offense last year, where you look around and you say, who survived? Who survived on Philadelphia last year? And the answer is pretty much nobody uh, coming out of that without some, some carnage and some scars on them uh, on the dynasty front. Uh, I was going to ask you uh, about Deshaun Watson because it feels like we've we've already peaked in terms of the low point of the trade market. You know, he kind of got all the way to the point of you know QB sixteen, maybe eighteen uh, in that trade market equivalency. And it feels like he's going to pop back up, reporting to camp a little bit. Uh, that trade market where you know maybe you get him for. I, I saw. I mean, Jordan and I dealt the the pick that became uh, Justin Fields, for example, for Watson. Uh, I saw even recently Trey Lance straight up for Watson. Um, and I have one other to ask you about. Um, but what do you think about Watson, the profile, and just the idea in general, where we see it all the time of the only reason you get a stud discount is because there has to be distress. Is that injury? Is that legal? Uh, situational, we saw with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe it was in, it was uh, you know just a down year or two, plus being on the older side. It takes some confluence of factors to get a discount. Otherwise, it, just, it doesn't come because they're so good. Yeah, I think that his discount window is still open, but the longer this plays out, the closer it gets to the season. And if a trade happens within the next few weeks, that value, uh, the discount is going to be gone. Right. He'll pop right back to, I mean, he was arguably, you know, the QB two in dynasty for a lot of people, you know, at, at, at his peak, uh, previously. And I mean, honestly, you'd put him right back there, right? I mean, you'd put him right back into the top four or five somewhere in there. That's where he goes. I've got zero concern about, yeah, about him. I've got zero concern. I've got one. I've got one other trade and and I'm going to ask you if this is an arbitrage for Deshaun Watson, because it includes another uh, high, 
high dynasty quarterback. So it's uh, Deshaun Watson, a 22 second and a 23 first uh, in Superflex. And, and you've talked 20 about 23 picks in class uh, frequently um, already uh, a, a couple years out for Dak Prescott. So the Watson plus angle versus Dak Prescott. I don't know that you've got to give anything plus. I'd, I'd want the Watson side. Okay. No, me too. Uh, you know, I think, I think when you start putting, you know, if you want to massage within tiers, I mean, I think they are similar players. Obviously right now they look different risk factor wise, uh, but let's face it, Dak Prescott coming off of injury and Watson, if he's changing teams, he's looking better than when he sits in Houston and mired in will he play, won't he play kind of stuff. So Watson has never been suspended by the league before. What is the first time offense? Right. Do you really think he's going to be gone for a full year? And what difference <laughs> never, does one I, year I, I in never, a dynasty exactly, make? I never did. Exactly. I, I know. Never, it, I'm just asking yeah. the listeners to think about it yeah. for a minute. Why would you discount a player in his prime who's so young? It's not an injury. It's not a question whether he's going to come back from an Achilles tear or an MCL ACL or uh, he's got a busted up ankle or anything like that. Exactly. There's no criminal charges. It's civic civil right now. And from everything that I've seen and read, I don't know that he did anything. To be honest, my gut feeling is saying that this is just women looking to get some money. And last three seasons, Watson has played his adjusted points per game finishes QB five, two and seven, five, two and seven. So exactly. Exactly. I, outside of his rookie season. So you give him a ramp up here and that's what he's got. And that is really tough to replicate, you know, in a three-year sample, the high floor, the high ceiling. And again, that's with Will Fuller being in and out of the lineup. That's losing, uh, that's losing Deandre Hopkins over that time. So I, you know. A lot of people say that DeAndre Hopkins is quarterback proof. Well, I think that Deshaun Watson is wide receiver proof, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, he hasn't had a lot to do to have to get yeah. to where he's gotten. Exactly. He's done a lot of that on his own. Exactly. Yeah. I, and again, we saw Houston sort of eroding around him. They're trying, they were trying to fix offensive line while he was there. And um, again, their defense oscillated between good and bad and JJ Watt healthy and not. And so I, I think we're going to look back. Let's just do a five-year sample. We're going to look back in five years and we're going to be like, remember a few years ago when Deshaun Watson was like QB 16 and starts startups. There's like, there's storylines of every off season. And to me, one of the storylines this off season is some of these quarterback discounts in Superflex, And then you just say, you know, all these productive wide receivers, what are we doing? What are we doing with how low they're going? It's just the general market valuations, the startup ranges that you can get these productive profiles where they're being thrown out now because they're not 23 years old. They happen to be 27, 28, 29, and one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And yet let's discount them because we know they're good, but we just wish we knew they were good much younger is sort of the the two things, the two themes for me this off season when it goes into like the time capsule. And it's like, remember 2021. Yeah, it's definitely a year of the discount. Uh, let's talk Michael Thomas because it just came out and it's actually divergent from what I was 
um, assuming and projecting, which is they moved him all the way to the the reserve pup. Um, he's going to miss the first six weeks of the season. Obviously, with Michael Thomas, he had a he had a run in his profile so far of being considered one of the top, if not the top, wide receiver in the NFL for an extended run there. Um, you know, can't guard Mike, and he lived up to the moniker there. And so missing again now it's not even the first half of the season uh but uh, could come back be coming back mid-season the important thing is coming back healthy you know now at this point when you're um, already um you know you already basically get the mental mindset as a dynasty owner of he's going to miss games but he's getting discounted now to a pretty big degree a lot of hand wringing about well drew Brees is gone he's on the older side now he's going to miss games he's coming off this uh now june surgery uh and what are your thoughts on michael thomas the profile now that he's being discounted is this a man older player injury gotta stay away there's too much uh, ambiguity of the situation now, or do you say, Hey, the moment he gets back, like this is all going to be just a, a fragment of the, the, you know, the history of him and he, you're going to roll him out in your lineup and it's going to be like, this was not really, you know, a thing. That kind of injury is tough, an ankle for a wide receiver. And I had a feeling just not so awful long ago that he wasn't going to be able to start the season and we were offered Amari Cooper straight up for, we were offered Michael Thomas straight up for Amari Cooper. And I declined the offer pretty quickly. Um, I think he can dominate, but I'm not going to bank on it. I'm not buying any shares of him right now, even at a discounted price. I don't think the discount is low enough. And, and I think it can linger. I think that this could end up hampering his entire season. And then he's 29 next year. And, one more injury, his, his value is going to go down, more. you know, below the surface. So while it, I, I like think it's going to be lower in season, once you get to week one, week two, other people playing Michael Thomas, not what, what's sort of the moment for you that you, is it right now when it's fresh? Is it the next few days? Because now people know he's out for six weeks at least, or is it when the games are actually going and he's not a part of it? I didn't understand. What was your actual question? I heard. Where, where's the buy low moment? Where Where's the the moment where you think it, it bottoms out to where the optimal moment to buy? Again, I don't know because this is the kind of thing that can linger. I'm not. I'm not a buyer. I, I am an avoid of Michael Thomas right now completely. Okay, I got I got a couple a, a couple of trades that are from the last twenty four hours here, so I'm going to test you. Um, okay. What do you think about uh, Tua for Michael Thomas in Superflex? I'd rather have Tua. Okay, what do you think about Lavisca Chenault for Michael Thomas? I think Chenault's in for a big season. Um, that's a tough one. I, I would want something else on top of Chenault if I were the Michael Thomas seller, but. I can see where somebody, if they squinted, could take that. Okay. Uh, what do you think about giving Henderson, uh, Daryl Henderson, and Marquise Brown for Michael Thomas? Oh, I'd do that in a heartbeat. I would rather have Michael Thomas. Okay. 
Yeah. And just to specify, because we've had conversations on a uh, interrogation show as well as a couple other venues, maybe not on this weekly show recently, but LaVisca Chanel, you are bullish on him. Yeah, You mentioned that just now in passing. Um, can you talk about him just a little bit since we brought him up on the show about kind of what you see the range of outcomes? What could you see potentially for him and, and his profile where he sits today? Well, first, first of all, I really believe in Trevor Lawrence. I think that he is the kind of quarterback that can elevate his wide receivers. LaVishka Chenault was too high in rookie drafts when he came out. He's an athlete and he was more of a gadget type guy. Just get the ball in his hands somehow and let him work his magic. But he's becoming a better route runner from the reports and just watching. He's a big, strong, physical guy. And I think that that coupled with the new coach and the new quarterback can elevate him even more. And then the more that he continues to work and grind on running routes, I, I just think that he can put it all together. I have a gut feeling that he'll have a strong year this year and then on into the future. Uh, one thing I would add sort of organizationally is that, uh, administratively, actually, is that we they brought in Marvin Jones, but let's look at the the depth chart. Which, well, Marvin Jones is thirty plus, so that's not really a, a major factor here. But DJ Chark is the one of the incumbents, and yet he's closer to out the door than saying that he's locked in. To say that he's locked in with the team, not part of this administration, and Lavisca Schnault is only one year in to a rookie deal, and frankly, you know the next. Three plus years, he could be locked in with, as you said, a growing Trevor Lawrence, a changing Jacksonville offense, just like Travis Etienne, where you say these are building blocks of the team, whereas DJ Chark and a few others could be considered the old regime and guys that maybe aren't around don't survive for new contracts and and expanded opportunities over multiple years going forward. Um, so Chenault gets that benefit on a rookie deal, that insulation of um, security, you know, within within the the program there. Uh, so yeah, Chenault is pretty darn interesting uh, from his profile. The fact that you know bigger guy can move, learning to run routes, uh, but already showed playmaking wise uh, what he can do in uh, you know a relative limited sample size on a team where let's face it, Jake Luton and a few others, not a whole lot going on on this offense. I think we're going to see a different look with more dynamic pieces added this year. Um, and also. I uh, wanted to mention Logan Thomas, who someone that I have tepid expectations coming off a career year, but he signed a three-year extension. I'm a little bit surprised by that. A lot of people view him in that same Darren Waller zone. He's no Darren Waller athlete, and the upside is just not there uh, if you were comparing both guys there. But with Logan Thomas getting a three-year extension, I think it almost locks in the fact that he's going to have a limited ceiling there with them developing wide receivers, bringing in Curtis Samuel. We'll see about Terry McLaurin uh, sticking around, getting a new deal. But they're still figuring out quarterback. And for Logan Thomas, I, I don't know about you, Katie. I consider him more like a, a streamer type in one in one tight end and a two tight end, you know, high floor. You'd like to have him as a tight end too, but I've actually traded him in a couple of different spots this offseason where I've had him because I do think this offseason will ultimately look like that that sell higher window for his for his career arc. Yeah, I haven't been able to sell high on him and I'm not willing to go middle ground 
with the speculation that all of a sudden he's not going to do anything. I think that he's, he's the kind of found value that I'd rather have him on my team and stream him. As you mentioned, I don't think he's going to be an overt starter in start one tight end, but in start two, he's got a lot of value. And if you can't get a decent trade for him, don't settle, (laughs) keep him on your team and keep rolling the dice. What have you seen from the Cam Akers market uh, going now with another week uh, where it was fresh last week? What do you think about the, uh, the market you've seen questions from listeners, you know, on Twitter, all that type of stuff from people exploring buy and sell angles. It went completely silent after the, the action wasn't trading cam acres. It was people trying to trade Darrell Henderson. And then everybody and his brother were paying up to get Xavier and funk off the uh, waiver wire. I saw some pretty crazy bids and we didn't touch on that last week. I wish we had, but you don't want to blow your budget on a third and fourth running back on a team that just lost their starter who was a stud when it's still this early in the season, there's very high likelihood that they're going to sign somebody. So to try to get anything out of Funk or Xavier at this point, I just think it was wasted waiver wire money. Maybe a buck or two, but not 101 out of a $200 budget, you know, over 50% in some cases. Yeah, I can't believe the number of 20 plus, 30 plus percent bidding on, on Xavier Jones, where, I mean, if, if anyone's watched him, he is a, just a guy. He's just a guy. And more importantly, if he's just a guy, but had like round three draft pedigree, like you have to give that a little bit of credo. However, a guy with no pedigree that looks like just a guy, that's a guy that washes out of the league. Sorry, that's what happens. Now, Jake Funk is an unknown uh, that who knows? Uh, he actually tested decently, and we'll, we'll see if there's something there. Good news is we'll see from these guys in the preseason. Uh, and like you said, the, the power of time that the Rams have to bring somebody in, maybe someone that gets cut from another team, uh, maybe it's a low-level trade, uh, but you look at the depth chart, it's too thin. It just is. I mean, and Henderson, there's some questions. Is he going to be, you know, a foundational type guy? And I've been kind of interested. I thought, and this has turned out, the market has turned out to be uh, not supportive of what my my thesis, my uh, assumption was, which is I thought getting a first for Daryl Henderson would be easy. Like, this is the perfect storm, is it not? Like, it's like Seinfeld. This is the signal. This is the signal, Jerry, that like, okay, Younger player, day two pedigree, cleared out with an injury, projected week one starter, and I, a lot of the deals I've seen are people selling for a second, not being able to get a first, I'm assuming. So, I mean, it, does that mean it's actually a Daryl Henderson buying opportunity for a second because the market is not as strong as you know you would think for the, the confluence of, of factors we've seen over the past week? I would use a 22 second on Henderson if that's what I could get him for. But I have had some people try to trade for a first plus. I'm not a buyer. I'm not a buyer unless there's a huge discount. And I don't really believe that Henderson is going to have that job or keep that job very long 
anyway. So I'm skeptical, color me skeptical. Do you think, do you think that second does turn into a pretty easy, I can go around the league canvas and get a first if he just even pops at, you know, with, at, he's the starter, you get to week one and he has a good first game or first game or two in general. Like, is that the moment where people get the, um, you know, the support of actually having the role and, you know, does he last till week six? Who knows? But that would seem like the time that if you can't get a first now, that would be when you actually get one. Yes. People in Dynasty, depending on your league, if they aren't ready to buy now, would if he had one or two pop-off weeks early in the season. Um, going back to the the Michael Thomas of what what's left with the Saints? We've seen them make moves. Uh, they brought in Chris Hogan. I mean, there's a name from the past. Uh, we'll see what what he has. He's still, I think, in his twenties. Uh, Marquez Callaway has been a name that's popped up a little bit. Could be out there as a uh, low level pickup. But you've also got Trequan Smith, Adam Troutman, and then you've got obviously the quarterback situation, which we could see starts from Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill this year. Um, is there a value play here? Is there, if I see a wide receiver 30, is Troutman a top 12 tight end? Like, where do you think this goes in terms of, or, you know, in, in terms of upside for this offense beyond, you know, the obvious being Alvin Kamara and then if Kamara's out, Latavius Murray? Chris Hogan will be 33 in October. Missed on that one. Sorry. <laughs> What's that? I missed on that one. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't think that Hogan is anything more than just a bandaid at this point. Um, and they're hoping that Michael Thomas will be back after week six, healthy, strong, ready to go. And I hope he is. I really do. I'm not saying that I don't hope he will. I like Michael Thomas a lot and he's a beast when he's out there. I just know that foot injuries, ankle injuries with wide receivers, especially it's just really tough if you try to rush it back. And when was the surgery in June? It was pretty relatively recent. So who knows? As far as others, there's so many question marks, whether it's going to be Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. With Taysom Hill, he's not going to elevate any of his receivers at all. And he doesn't even elevate Alvin Kamara. With Jameis Winston and that different type of Sean Payton offense, now that he's lost his big guy, at least for the beginning of the season, again, I don't know. I know he can deliver the ball to many different people, including the other team. Um, maybe that's behind him with the LASIK surgery. And hopefully he is the quarterback and they don't try to muck it up and mess it up too much with bringing Taysom Hill in and, and it just kills both of their fantasy chances. But I don't know. I like Traquan Smith, but – I don't know that he's, he's not an alpha all by himself. I like Troutman, but I don't know that he can be the guy. There's just so many question marks. Yeah. I think Trequan Smith, uh, you know, success, what does that look for him? You know, I think that could be in the top 36, 45, something, you know, somewhere in that threshold. And you could still ask yourself, well, what does that mean? I mean, is that someone that's considered, you know, an upside flex, for your lineup consideration, like you mentioned, that first six weeks of the season, uh, is that someone that you can suddenly flip for a second? 
you know, where maybe you couldn't at any other point in Trequan Smith's uh, career so far. He is a vertical element that does align maybe more with Jameis Winston uh, than, than Drew Brees and what he offered uh, late in his twilight career. Um, so that would be, I, I would venture that that's the storyline of what's a success look like for Trequan Smith is he can have big games. Uh, he can score long touchdowns. Uh, you say, where else is the ball going? Um, Troutman, I have upside question marks. It, it, like to me, he's more, oh yeah, I have more confidence now. He'll be a top 20 guy. Uh, now, do I think he's a top 10 guy, top eight guy? Not really, uh, but we'll see. Um, I, I'm skeptical of that. More two tight end play and more, like I said, of a, of a floor play confidence in t- uh, than someone I see as a massive, you know, join the top tier or two of, of tight ends, you know, and be a breakout player this year. Uh, speaking of breakout players, Katie, I wanted to ask you in terms of who are a few players. Now we're going to get the preseason, so that could be you know flyer types. But in terms of the regular season, the trajectory they're on, maybe someone that hasn't shown a ton so far, expanded opportunity, best year yet, things like that. Who's someone you're just excited? Maybe two or three guys in terms of this could be the best we see of them uh, dating back to whenever they joined the NFL, that they could be a breakout player to, to whatever level that is. Well, we already mentioned LaVishka Chenault. I think that could be his year this year to really break out and do something, do something nice. Um, I think that even with Cam Newton at quarterback, I think Damian Harris could have a breakout for him uh, at running back. I would really love to see Miko Hardman do something, but he, he, I just, I, I wouldn't bank on it. And I'm excited for some of these rookies. I'm really excited to see how Travis Etienne does in the offense in Jacksonville. I think he, he, he can be a very dynamic, both running back and a receiver and give just an offensive weapon for them. Yeah, I think it's interesting with ETN how much it seems like there's been a ton of shade put on him like the entire time. You know, and then he goes in round one and then it's still no respect. Oh, like like oh, he's going to be a wide receiver. What are they doing? Waste of a pick, all this stuff. Be careful. Be careful fading the the round one running back in general. Be careful fading the round one running back that actually has a decent profile, which he absolutely did. Decent is underplaying what he was. Um, as a prospect. So uh, I just, I, I think the arb- one of the UTH, you know, you know, one of my big board uh, takeaways, you know, if you were to look at it and then you go execute your rookie draft, whether it was one quarterback or super flex was just the differential in some of these leagues between Najee Harris going as running back one super high. And yet you might see Travis Etienne you know, closer to Javante Williams, for example, or just, you know, three, four, five picks after Harris and, and, you know, mid first, you know, at the very end, you know, beyond Jamar Chase or beyond Kyle Pitts. And again, fade round one running backs at your own peril is, is what I will say, because, and, and people are doing that already with Josh Jacobs. They were doing it with Josh Jacobs throughout his career, basically. So just be careful doing that because those guys get jobs, they keep them, they get strong production, and it lasts. And they do it over and over again. They are very, as Jordan would say, they are very dense hits. And you 
I mean, that sort of stability of just a moniker, position, and draft pedigree is really tough to find. You could argue 101 quarterback is still not as much of a surefire bet as round one running back in terms of what am I going to get for this? What will be my return on investment for my lineup, for my impact, for my dynasty team? So Travis Etienne feels like the guy that had the stink this year. Everyone loved Najee Harris. I like Najee Harris too, but I just think the gap that we were putting between Harris and Etienne was a mistake. And I think fading around one running back like Etienne down rookie boards as he was, relatively speaking, was also a mistake. And you want to know an observation that I've made that I think is very interesting. When you really want to see what a player's value is, look at a startup draft. Because guys like Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Javante Williams have been going anywhere from round two to round four round five, depending on the format of the league, but guys that go right behind them in rookie drafts like Devonta Smith and uh, Jamar Chase and, and all these others, except for Jamar Chase, he does go by round four in most startups, but there's a huge drop-off after that. And it's three, four rounds later before Devonta Smith, before uh, Elijah Moore and some of the other Jalen Waddle, all those guys, you know, they're more like round seven, eight, nine. So just the value of the running back versus the wide receiver, it it becomes crystal clear when you're looking at it from a startup lens. Yeah. And and the thing I would mention, I did a lot of um, adjusted wins over replacement and a lot of that impact study um, a few years back. And one of the trends was, you know, in rookie draft, why do you go generally running back over wide receiver? Well, they hit earlier, they provide more impact. And let's think about, you know, you, you spend a first or second round rookie pick um, on a player, you get them on your team, they're on your farm system, whatever it is. And then what, I mean, the odds that you're going to have them three, four years from now are pretty low. So this whole third year breakout for wide receiver, you know, later on in your rookie contract, that's all great from a career arc perspective, but in brass tacks of owning your team and having that player that uh, let's face it. I mean, Nikhil Harry, like <laughs> it's just one example of it not working out so far, but he's entering the quote unquote third year breakout wide receiver. Who's projecting that? Like, so you've had to grit your teeth and hold through two years of unstartability, like around one or day two running back, you typically don't have to wait long before you start getting some return on investment there. And once they pop, they're worth quite a bit. And yes, every once in a while, wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, you know, the 2014 class, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, you do get some players that come in and right away provide value. You can start them. They're worth a ton in the marketplace. That happens, but it's not the norm at all. So the running backs provide you earlier opportunity to have flexibility. I'm starting them. I can trade them for something. I can now trade them maybe for a wide receiver that's on the veteran front that's an auto start player that's 27 or whatever. Like you have options, whereas you might draft a, a wide receiver that is unstartable and you still don't really have a lot of options. Like who's going to trade you something that's for lineup relevancy or now try to flip that wide receiver for a running back that was going in a similar range of the rookie draft a year or two before? Good luck. Good luck. 
because it's not it, it's not a commonplace thing. Uh, my last point, uh, and then I'll pass it to you, Katie, for for final thoughts, is going to be about the preseason. The thing that I watch the most. Uh, just to provide uh, you know, a to-do list item. If you are watching a little bit of preseason action, we're going to get some games this year, and it's going to be a market difference from last year, is watch the running back rotations. The thing that I watch the most is, yes, we're going to get early data points of the 2020 rookies that maybe you didn't get to see much in the regular season, and now the 21 rookies. But look at the rotations where the starters go out, and we'll see what happens. Game one, game two of the preseason. But that know who's being held out voluntarily, not voluntarily, but because of an injury or something like that. So that might uh, tarnish how this looks, but look at the rotation. Who's playing later into the game? Those are the guys that, I mean, they don't really care. Someone's got to mop up. They're probably not in the first team rotation plans. See who's getting reps with the first team. See who's playing on the second, third, fifth drives of the game. Who's playing after who in the pecking order. And it may not be all 32 teams, but there's going to be plenty of them that provide us breadcrumbs a la, I remember a few years ago, Malcolm Brown, for example, holding off Daryl Henderson was a notable point. Uh, you have other situations like Mike Davis, for example. It, the answer was not uh, Reggie Bonifon, I remember. You know, we were watching that rotation in the regular, in the pre, uh, you know, just leading up to the season. So you have these situations where if you can get the running back that's actually the injury away guy, you never know when that early season injury is going to strike a particular depth chart. So there's going to be some clarity that we get specifically from seeing the preseason rotations and seeing the pecking order and the rotation in which they come out into the games, who's playing in the fourth quarter. And I'm telling you, uh, that's going to be the key watch in addition to just seeing some of the young players get reps and who looks the part. Um, with their opportunities on the field. Yeah. And then to just add on to that, I would rather watch the second and third players rather than the studs just because there will be cuts. And if they're not making it on one team, doesn't mean that they won't make it someplace else. They may get picked up. So you, I like to watch the guys that I had scouted that I really like in college, maybe they slipped a little further in the draft or maybe they got drafted fairly high, but even if they are playing in the fourth quarter, just remember that maybe they're on a loaded team, loaded depth chart, and maybe they end up in a couple of weeks after the camps are over and everything is done in the season, you know, they got to cut the rosters. They may end up somewhere else and then be more viable. So I try to pay attention to what kind of juice they have, even even good players don't make it on certain teams just for whatever reason. Yep. And uh, new content this week over at UTHDynasty.com. Wanted to shout out uh, to, to Katie uh, for hosting a show about a month ago. We did a war room for one of my recent startup drafts. Um, that's some uh, two quarterback tight end premium action, some twists in the format. You can hear a long form discussion on the strategy session going into the startup draft. And then the great thing is we hold that episode, put out the interrogation room, which is the post draft uh, summary of what actually occurred. The trade made uh the the player selection the team building 
concepts there. And uh, Katie hosted graciously both of those episodes. Those are out this week um, where I am on the hot seat talking about strategy in the league. Also uh, coming out this week, we've got an auction interrogation room. Really good discussion with UTH super fan Keith. Uh, he was coming on for an interview. We talk about strategy where auction, again, it's one of those formats that uh, if you have not done one, uh, there's a lot of uh, you know, mechanical things that you can do to really help yourself out. And it's something that, uh, you know, still drafting, not auction is, is the primary form of dynasty team building. So we make sure a few times in the off season to cover auction startups so that you have an opportunity to get the inside uh, tips there for, for managing your auction. So we have one of those coming out as well as of course, we've got the uh, dynasty trading thoughts, a number of those short forum episodes where I take a trade or two and we talk about the concepts and why one side or the other is the preferred strategy. Could be player value, could be team construct, uh, could be positional value uh, in some of these episodes. So those are some of the premium shows you're going to get by being a general manager subscriber over at UTHSciency.com and uh, patreon.com slash UTH. I did a solo show this week talking about bridge players. And in general, we do a feature show every single week. There's bonus content, a VIP chat that's thriving with some of the best dynasty owners out there, myself included, with uh, leading a discussion on player value, our own teams. And man, when that gets cooking in August and the regular season, I tell you, or even rookie draft time uh, in certain points of the offseason, it is integral as, as there's such a great community of everyone improving their teams and acumen together um, as a community. Uh, so for Katie Flower, in between episodes, you got a startup draft, you got a, uh, a trade question, uh, hit her up on Twitter at FF underscore Skyler399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. And until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. This is like at a, a poker table when you're like, you feel so bad that you give them their money back just to take it within the next hour again. 